This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Round the Boards, updates from Dunedin City Community Boards on ORFM Dunedin's awesome morning show. Round and round the boards we go and to our Otago Peninsula Community Board this morning. Paul Pope joins us on the line. Uh, kia ora, good to have you with us, Paul. Kia ora, Jeff. Paul, I, I suppose we're all enjoying this long, hot summer. There's no question it's enabling us to get out and about and uh, and explore and more around our own region. But this comes at a price, and most of us now are waking up to the fact that we've got pretty much drought conditions out there. We certainly have, and I mean, the Otago Peninsula is basically a drought area now, um, and that obviously raises issues particularly around fire and fire safety for both our residents um, and also obviously our wildlife and, and our farmers. So it's just one of those things at the moment, just uh, keeping check may do or may, may or may not do uh, just in relation to fire. Um, and if you're visiting, obviously, um, you know, not having fires and watching what you're doing, that kind of stuff is really important for us at the moment, uh, especially at this time of the year, because we've got a lot of uh, a lot of chicks and a lot of pups out there. But also um, fire would just be devastating for uh, for our community. Yeah, so certainly no open fires at all at uh, at this time. You wouldn't really even want to try and boil a billy to make a cup of tea out at the beach or anything like that, would you? No, nah, look, the best thing you could probably do is go into some of our wonderful cafes and get them to make it for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um, well, indeed, um, and supporting local is uh, uh, is great to do at any time. But, uh, yeah, especially now uh, when Hospo and, uh, and so forth are getting back on their feet and includes all the businesses out there on the peninsula and all the tourism businesses as well who will be wanting not only... Uh, support from um, the international visitors but indeed from locals as well well we've had a really fantastic run with the summer to be honest and um, we had you know while it's been hot and dry and um, it has also been an opportunity for people to get out and about we've had a lot of people visiting uh, various beaches and that sort of stuff uh, which kind of leads me on to my next thing the Taurioni, uh the beach area now which has been worked on by um, uh, Port Otago and, and members of the community there to improve the the beach with its groins and stuff, and we've sort of become the uh, the Bondi of the South, mate. It's um, it really is uh, on a hot day uh, with the white sands and the new development at the back with the playground and reserve. It's really become a very popular place, and uh, like I say, it has been called uh, recently by some of the locals the Bondi of the South. Oh well, let's hope there's not too many wandering around of those budgie smugglers that you see there, Paul. Perhaps a little bit more discreetly uh, dressed on our Otago uh, Peninsula. <laughs> Uh, no, look, I'm 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 more of a board short and uh, uh, and uh, sweat top uh, myself uh, uh, with my uh, with my fine figure. Uh, it's, it's something that I don't uh, like to share with other people. <laughs> Paul, uh, heaps to do, of course, out on the peninsula, and uh, and that includes you know plenty of great walks. The Hedewicka hike. Yeah, coming up, um, bit of a bit of debate around the date at this stage, probably April, early May. Um, so this will be a slightly different Hirawika hike compared to what we've had before. Um, it, it'll take in the new route that 
uh, goes from up from Hirawika, from Portobello, uh, up through Hirawika Street and then through the private covenant uh, forest land owned by um, some local people there, which includes the beautiful Rimu Walk, and then up and around, and you can actually circumnavigate uh, the whole of uh, Hirawika Harbour Cone or, and go to the top and right round. And this will be uh, a permanent feature eventually uh, for locals and visitors alike. And, and what it does is it offers a, a new opportunity to reach uh, Harbour Cone, which is iconic. I mean, it's been in uh, Robin White's paintings, it's been in Colin McCann's paintings, and it's a really big part of the uh, the peninsula as an icon. So it now means that you don't have to drive to get there. You can actually come to Portobello, park your car, ride your bike, come by public transport and actually do that walk uh, and, and get back and then uh, have yourself an ice cream or, or even a, a sneaky pint before you go home. Nice. How long does that walk take uh, generally, Paul? I think I think you're looking probably realistically for a moderately fit person, probably about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. Um, and that's also too with uh, interpretation on the way and a few things to, to read and, and learn about the area as you go. Some pretty stunning views along the way too, I imagine. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, obviously, the view is fantastic. Are uh, you walking on a very historical piece of land? I mean, Hirawika goes back to the time of the Naitahu chief uh, of the of Tarawai, um, and then later, of course, and then into the colonial period. And you're actually going to be walking on part of what was what's called Leslie's Track, which was the old bullet track, sled track that runs around on the edge of Harbour Cone. Um, so there's a lot of things to uh, to take in from that point of view. Wanted to talk about another local landmark, Te Umukuri, Wellers Rock. Yeah, Te Umukuri. Um, so um, really, um, Wellers Rock is really the foundation, much of the foundation of Otago actually rests in that area. That was the area where um, in the early, uh, before the settlers really came, the, the whalers used that area, the Weller brothers used that that, that area for beaching whales and slicing them up there. Um, but it's also an important part, of, as I say, of the Otako community as well. And um, I guess it's it's probably a point to raise that it's such an important historical site from that perspective. And um, work has been done on it from a point of view of being a historical area. Um, and um, also, as I say, there will be some work done around some of the parking issues that are there as well. Um, as a historic place, um, as I say, it's it's really part of that whole foundation of our of our province and, and of our city, and um, it's it's worth preserving. Want to talk a little bit about uh, board business now, Paul, and indeed um, the boards in general and their contribution to the city council's annual plan process. Oh, look, annual plan is a funny old thing. It's a uh, you know, look, it's it it. it a lot of people, I think, are quite cynical about the annual plan, but it is actually a really important opportunity for communities uh, across the across the city to really have a tr- chance to put in front of councillors the issues that face uh, their community and some of the resourcing issues that face them as well. Um, and while I say some people are a little bit cynical about it, um, going into the annual plan process and being part of that process is, is extremely important. Certainly encourage everyone who's got something, uh, whether it be a good idea, big or small, or just something that they want to get off their chest about the way the city is run. It's, it's an important thing to to have that opportunity and and uh, and 
say something. And I know for us, um, I've got a meeting uh, with council where I'm going to pitch our case uh, on on uh, on Monday. But that's a sort of slightly separate one. But with the annual plan coming up, chance to uh, band together as a community, as neighbourhoods, as as uh, as neighbours, and say, look, there are things about our our area that we'd like to improve and. It means putting pen to paper, um, but it may also mean just um, uh, having a little practice and perhaps even appearing uh, in person to uh, make that impassioned plea. And also, I guess, taking the opportunity to speak directly to your own community board where that's possible as well, to start to keep the conversations going there. Just remind us what the process is for someone if they want to bring something up uh, with the Yataka Peninsula Community Board. So there's, there's a couple of options. Obviously, the board, we are on social media, so there's the chance, and we often get a lot of our information from social media, and we put out a lot of information that way. Um, also, you can go to the DCC uh, website, and you'll find all of the board members for the Target Permission. In fact, all board members, uh, our email address and, and telephone contacts are available on that on that website as well. Um, the good thing about being a board is, um, on a board is that most people know you. Um, and so quite often uh, you'll end up, I don't know, going down to the local shop to buy a pint of milk and um, someone will collar you on the way about, um, I don't know, whether it's something to do with their streets or something to do with whatever is going on in their particular part of the neighbourhood. So um, what happens also, there's the more slightly more formal process, which is actually coming on to the public forum, uh, which means that you get onto the agenda of one of our meetings, um, you come and sit in front of the board and um, in a very um, relaxed way and come and say what it is you want to say about whatever it is you want to say. And um, that's a really good way for us to question people about what they uh, what they want, uh, what they're trying to achieve. And... Um, as I say, um, it's a pretty non-threatening kind of way to do that because, um, as I say, most people know us. And um, but it gets recorded into the minutes, goes into the minutes of count for council, um, and then it gives us the opportunity to add those things into our community plan and then put those things into the annual plan as well. Just want to finish off this morning on a hot topic in Dunedin. In fact, right around the country at the moment. Buses, Paul. I know this is something that uh, that you've uh, you had close to your heart for a number of years now. Yeah. So look, a couple of things have come up, and 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 one of the things is particularly obviously because the Ministry of Education removed school buses, and and then said that buses, school buses that were on. Um, Public transport routes uh, would be the, the bus of choice for those uh, pupils going to school. That's what's happened in the Otago Peninsula. What's being fed through to me and through to the board is there is elements of bad behaviour um, from some of our some of our pupils uh, on the bus, particularly on the afternoon bus, um, and some of it from uh, some of the younger, uh, some of the older pupils on the bus towards some of the younger ones. And let's be quite clear, the responsibility for that actually rests with the parents of those those kids and basically saying to them, look, um, you know, when you're on the bus, let's see some decent behaviour and, and, and reasonable behaviour and um, making sure that, as I say, we're looking after everybody in our community um, because, as I say, this is something that filters through to us. It's a really hard thing to police but um, at the same time, it's also something too that becomes an irritant for parents who 
who are trying to get their kids to and from school from that perspective. One of the other issues seems to be that we've actually now become, our public transport part of the system for for school kids has actually become so popular, particularly in the afternoons, that we really actually almost need a second bus uh, in the same timetable to actually accommodate everybody. And I think because of that pressure, that's probably also some of the, perhaps dealing with some of the behavioural issues. And it would be really good to see um, parents and pupils perhaps put aside that silliness for the 20 minutes that they're on the bus and uh, look after everybody at the same time. Yeah, I guess the last thing we need is a disincentive to use public transport, right? That's one of the things that is happening. Parents are becoming concerned about some of the behavioural issues. Uh, and uh, I think my message to peninsula parents, who's particularly from some of the older kids, who are using the buses in the afternoon, perhaps it's a chance just to have a talk to your children and say, look, you know, please, you know, we know that you can be responsible when when you're not with us. Uh, please just make sure that you put that into practice when you're actually on the bus in the afternoon. Paul Pope from Otago Peninsula Community Board. Uh, Kira, thanks so much for joining us again, Paul. We look forward to catching up in four weeks. Go to Jeff. Have a great day and I uh, hope your listeners do too. See you later. That was Round the Boards. Updates from Dunedin City Community Boards on ORFM, Dunedin's awesome morning show. For more information about Dunedin's six community boards and contact details, visit the Dunedin City Council website, dunedin.govt.nz or phone 477-4000. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.